people. Let's just stay on that for a sec. sums up everything we're going to talk on today so it's like maybe the song can speak rather than I do. The fact that God pursues us I think we need to stop and breathe that in for a moment. Hey whether you're, wherever you are, if you're sitting in your lounge or lying in bed or my parents in your caravan, wherever you are it's just stopping and breathing it in just the love of God some people found this song offensive because it says his love is reckless. I think the reality is God's love is kind of offensive. We're so used to having to earn everything in our lives. Whereas the, the love of God has been lavished on us while we, whilst we were yet sinners. Whilst before, before we had a clue, God actually died for us, poured himself out, bankrupted heaven, so that we could come back into perfect relationship with him. So maybe just want to sing that really quietly, just the chorus again, hey. It's like the reckless love of God. He has chased us. He has pursued us. And it's looked like him laying down his life for us. We thank you, Jesus. Right now, as we gather, we thank you, Jesus, for your love. Because of your love, we can confidently pray. If you have prayer requests, actually, now's a good time. Send them through to that number that was on the screen before, Andy's number. Um, if you have any prayer requests at all, we want to dedicate some time just to, to mentioning that and praying and believing together. And so as we sing another chorus, is that all right? Even just quietly, let's just soak in this. God, would you give us a revelation, a fresh revelation of your love for us? Thank you, Jesus. Twelve years ago, I twelve-ish. I went uh, over to Bethel Church, which a lot of people would know about. Um, I was pretty young, and it was really interesting because I was there for a couple of weeks, just part of what goes on normally. And and when I left, I thought the thing that offended me the most about Bethel as a church 
was that people actually lived as if God loved them. Like people actually believed God loved them. As in it was a daily moment by moment reality that God loved them. Like honestly, it was the most offensive thing and it may sound silly because we can all quote, we all know that God sent his only son. You know, he loves us. He loves. But have we sat and gone, I'm not going to move from this point until the reality, the revelation of God's love changes me. If we need healing, start by face to face going, God, thank you for your love for me. I'm going to sit in this. I'm not going to move on. I'm not going to seek this, seek that, seek this. Thank you that you love me. Reveal to me your love for me. Some people question God's love. Well, you don't need to. Look at the cross. It's not, well, if, if God loved me, why did he allow this to happen? That should never be our question. If God didn't love you, he wouldn't have died on a cross. He has died on a cross. He does love us. It is proven. It is written into eternity that he loves us. So let's receive that today. Thank you so much, band. Beautiful. Some of you more than others. Sorry. Uh, for those that don't know, Jenna's my wife. So, yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Lots to get through, sort of, today. I'm just excited to see what God does uh, in this time that we have together. But I want to really start by praying. Um, a few things on my mind, obviously on everyone's mind, pretty much in the world right now, is this nasty pandemic, plague, disease. We know where it's come from, hey. It's not, it's not giving abundant life. It's taking, it's stealing, killing and destroying. So its author is the devil. So we can pray with authority. We know the will of God is to see this disease driven out in the world, right? So let's take authority even just over our town, over our region, wherever you are watching this, take authority over that area. Thank you, Jesus, right now that your blood completely paid for, covered up the sins and transgressions of humanity and the, and, and the disease. In you was healing for the disease and sickness that has affected the world. So we thank you today. I bind the spirit of fear, especially that is attached to this disease. God, and we say the spirit of wisdom, come and minister that we would be people who are wise in how we act and bold and confident. God, to see your kingdom come, which we know is an environment free of disease. So I speak over this area and this region. We say, Father, keep uh, Shepparton, the surrounding areas, COVID-19 free. For those who may have it already, we speak healing, supernatural healing, healing in the name of Jesus. And Father, we need to see these numbers turn around in Victoria. So for the state of Victoria, we say there will be a stop. Transmission of COVID-19, I bind you, I stop you in Jesus' name. We will see those numbers go down tomorrow and down the next day and down further and we'll be down to zero new cases in this next week. Let's believe it together. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for wisdom for our leaders, the, the government leaders of, of all parties, of all levels, God, that are, that are striving to see our nation looked after. We bless them in the name of Jesus. We speak blessing over our Premier in Victoria, Daniel Andrew, Andrews. May incredible love and revelation of God and the wisdom of God minister to his heart 
and to his team. God, the health officers, we thank you for our local area, the efforts being done. And we thank you for in this uh, church community here and our churches in the area. Thank you for wisdom to know how to go ahead with our meetings. We bless every um, leader, every pastor, every person in uh, a position of responsibility in our churches. We speak blessing and peace. Think especially of Matt and Melissa in this time and our board and our elders and every department here, God. We thank you for them and we bless them in the name of Jesus. May peace and rest be known. The one prayer request I think we've got is for James. Um, Yeah, James Briggs, we speak blessing and healing and peace over your life, James. We as a family are gathered and agreeing on this. So let it be done. Healing comes not by striving, hey, but by resting and relaxing in the finished work of Jesus. Today, may a revelation of God's love really penetrate your heart deep. Uh, Briggsy, we love you. We love you and the Father loves you even more. Be healed in Jesus' name. I think it's okay to linger on this like we have because this is just it. We're a family. And one of the core themes of today's message that that I really sense the Holy Spirit drawing me to is the fact that when we're together as a family... We are so strong and it's so important. And we go, well, we can't meet physically together. No, I know. But are we putting as much effort into praying for our brothers and sisters as we are into complaining about not being able to meet together? That's a bit harsh, but do you know what I mean? Are we putting... I'm speaking... Everything I speak today is literally to my own heart. As Jenna tells me, I need to preach to myself sometimes. And it is very true. Today's message is a... Look in the mirror, John. So we're going to be talking from Luke 15. Uh, Very exciting. So today, if you would grab a pen, a piece of paper, so your phone will do as well, and your Bible, that would be really good. I don't have a huge amount of time, but what I want to do is have some time for some activations. So the scripture says, be doers of the word, not just hearers. It's really easy to come, sit on a Sit, sit on a seat, take in a message, which we might take in 3% of, walk out, and then we go about our week. And that was our highlight of, of our time with God for the week. That was not what God intended. Sorry about that. Today's message brought to you by... No, I can't do that. Um, so that would be terrible. Hey, just imagine if we reduce Christianity to reading your Bible, going to church and praying. What? That's offensive, John. That's what we've learned all our lives. No, that's a, that's a core part of maintaining our relationship with God, right? But our relationship with God is set on our intimately knowing him. This is eternal life that they may... There's people here. Does anyone know it? They may know. They may know him. John 17, 3. That word know means intimately know, like a husband knows a wife. Do we know God in that depth? We need to be not just hearers of the word, but doers. That expression of love. If I just said to Jenna that I loved her, might be okay for a few days, maybe a few weeks. But if I didn't do the dishes, if I didn't express my love to her in a myriad of ways, 
there would be something wrong and our relationship would not be healthy. So today, let's just put into practice maybe what we can do every week when we're sitting, when we're listening to messages, is go, how can I not just be a hearer, but a doer of this? So today, I'm going to provide some opportunities to sort of stop and maybe write something. We don't always get that. That's not always how I would speak. Um, It's very school teacher of me. But when we are listening, we don't take notes for note's sakes. We take notes so that we stir up a, a heart to do to become, not just simply to hear. Anyway, tangent. So, Luke 15. This is going to be fun. I'm going to read verses 1 through 10, and then we're just going to pull out a few fun bits, and that'll be that. Time will be up. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, to be honest, we could just stop there. I could speak for about six years just on that one verse. Isn't that incredible? Anyway, John, move on. I'm going to read it all, then I'm going to come back to it. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that he's lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his family and friends, his neighbours, saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one of them. Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbours and say, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when even one sinner repents. Now, there is a lot in these uh, couple of parables that I've been given to share on today. I think it's in a couple of weeks' time, Ryan is going to speak on the next part of Luke 15. Next week. Great. And so, Riza is going to dive more into... uh, I I don't want to give it away. But I'm not going to go where Ryan's going to go next week, which will sum things together from my understanding. But what I want to do is just get us to take a step back. Let's think contextually. Jesus is 2,000 years ago in Jewish society, right? Uh, They still, actually, it's beautiful. In Israel, sheep and goats are such a huge part of their livelihood. So when when we understand why would he talk about sheep, often he refers to sheep, flocks of sheep or people as sheep or sheep and goats. Right? It's because literally there would have been sheep and goats mulling around where they were. Like it's how they live. There weren't fences dividing this area from that area in the same way we would have our farms in, in Australia. But it was a shepherd would know his smaller flock. So he might have 100 sheep or you know, however many uh, sheep and goats. And they would cling to that shepherd. Right? There would be this 
beautiful. Now we can read about it in John 10. He describes this. It's my sheep know my voice. He talks about the fact that in, it was an easy illustration for Jesus to use to the people of that time because they lived in amongst sheep and goats. So it was a really relevant illustration. So he's saying to them, how many of you would, would absolutely leave your, good, your safe sheep, your found sheep, and you'd go after that lost sheep? It was an easy illustration for them to understand. But let's go back to verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Have a think for a moment, and maybe this is your first activation. First thing, Jesus was not tainted, nor was he offended, nor was he nervous about being around people that were lost. Isn't that incredible? I've heard it said that, like in the Old Testament, I think it was Bill Johnson said it, in the Old Testament, if something clean touched something that was unclean, Kylie did clean this before though, so it is clean. But anyway, um, if something clean touched something that was unclean, then they became unclean themselves. If we, You read it all through Exodus and Leviticus. Whereas under the New Covenant, something that clean touches something that is unclean, it becomes clean. This is the, the work of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus on the cross. means now when we believe in him, we receive his life in us. So we become clean. So here's Jesus, and it's a really important point for us to grab. Jesus was not worried about his image. He was interested in obeying the heart of the Father. He was not worried about his own image. He wasn't worried that maybe if he hung out with the tax collectors one too many days, he'd become a tax collector. That was not his worry. He was obedient. He wasn't foolish. We don't read that Jesus just went for the heck of it into places just because, you know, it was whatever. He was purposeful. He would invite these people to eat with him or he would go and eat with them as well. But I love it. He said, it says that they often came to listen to Jesus. So just write down, think for a moment. In the context of your life, what would it look like if people, the tax collectors and the sinners, so tax collectors were in a sense traitors, traitors, that was, not traitors, traitors, they were Jews who were working for the Romans quite often, sinners, everything that you could think of. You know, in modern day, it might be the drug dealers, the drug users, the X, Y, Z. People who don't look like us, agree like us, is often how, how we see it. as oh, they're, they're dirty sinners or whatever. Okay? They were the ones. They weren't just like, oh, well, listen to this guy. They were attracted to what he had to say. So what could it look like? Let's just stop for a moment and go, Jesus, what could it look like in my life and my circumstance to see people who don't know you, who are perhaps sinners and traitors, what would it look like to see people come and be attracted to what I have to say in my day-to-day life? Right? Maybe that's a broad question, but I think if we don't start actually opening up to the possibilities, then we're never actually going to have the boldness. So what would it look like? What would it look like to be walking down the street And people go, hey, I know you're the guy that's been with Jesus. (laughs) 
people attracted to us because of what we say? What about in your workplace? People, what does it look like? Have a think. You can close your eyes if you want, but you can write it down, whatever. But have a think. What does it look like for, hey, I'm feeling nervous and anxious and I know you're, you, you know this Jesus guy. Can you, can you talk to me? Can you pray with me? People are hungry for answers. They're hungry for truth. What does it look like? Let's ask ourselves this question before the Lord. Are people attracted to what I have to say? Are sinners and traitors, tax collectors, attracted to what I have to say? Am I expressing hope, truth, life in a way everywhere I go? in a way that actually draws others to Jesus. We're allowed to ask these questions. And if the answer is no, don't stress. Be like, oh, great. God, this is where I need some help. That's as simple as it is. Never go beating yourself up. Beating yourself up just leaves you with bruises. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, right? Let's think, what can it look like? Whatever our context. I want people to be often coming. I want sinners and tax collectors often to come and listen to what I have to say because it will bring life and hope to them. I think when I read these two parables, there's three, maybe three and a half, but three clear groups of people, okay, mentioned. There's the sinners. So they, in the first parable for the people in the room, would be represented as the lost Great job. Okay, I might just play this game myself. Um, So the sinners, so the lost sheep or the lost coin in the second. Okay, then the next group of people would be uh, the Pharisees. They're mentioned. Okay, so the Pharisees were the religious people. So verse 2 says, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law so that they knew they had a good heart. They knew God. They just, well, to a degree, they knew about God. They'd had the scriptures, the Old Testament for all these years. They'd studied it, trained in it. But they were complaining that Jesus was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. In, in that culture, who you ate with was significant. You would, you would become relaxed. You would be sharing utensils. You would be like that was, there was a level of intimacy in that eating together. Jesus was eating with these dirty people, yet not becoming dirty himself. It confused the religious people. Just like in this day and age, we get, people get confused very easily, I think still sadly, in the church. Because we have this heart to see people that don't know Jesus saved, but then we're, oh, but, but we're cautious because we, we don't really want to go to them. Because what if we... Like, does that make sense to the people in the room? Does that make sense? Like, there's this, we can have this, like, oh, no, my workplace, everyone does this thing or says these things or whatever. And we're on the back foot. At the moment we, we think that we're vulnerable, we become vulnerable. We're actually front foot believers. Jesus has invited us to be full of his spirit, full of his life, so you can be in environments where they are starkly opposed to Jesus and you can be full, full of life and not offended by it. You, may not, you don't have to join in. You don't have to participate. 
You also don't have to be like, well, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a Christian and uh, 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 like we've misrepresented the power of God. Do, do we get it? If, if that's where we are, it's okay. I've had times where I'm like, because I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I don't want to join in or it used to be back at footy training. The conversation would go places that I actually didn't want to. But you'd be like, uh, 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 you just run away eventually. But like we can be front foot believers, front foot Christians that know, go, I actually have something that you're attracted to. And maybe now's not the time, but I'm going to stay in this community. I'm not tainted. Oh, no, if I hear them swearing all the time, I might swear. Yeah. Like, just focus on the heart of God. Don't stress about that. We get so sidetracked by what if, what if, what if, what if? And it's the devil going, yeah, that's right. That's right. You're not actually clean. You're really prone to sin. You're really prone to mistakes. Just stay back in your corner and strive real hard. No, that is not what Jesus came to die for. It's not what he came to die for. He didn't die so that we would be still in the corner trying not to sin. He died so we would have life and life to the full in every circumstance, in every group of people. We have an answer. It's Jesus. He's so good. He's so good. And this is what he loves to do. Is he loves, and he's the third clear person represented. Jesus, the good shepherd, Right? He's the diligent lady who swept her house and searched for that coin. He's represented in those three parables, two parables. We'll get to the third when Ryan speaks. Sometimes, and this is where I'd really felt the Lord's want me to want me to go, is that sometimes we can think, well, he left the ninety-nine. Isn't that is it that a really is that a good shepherd move? Like, I, I am not a shepherd. I will be first to admit I am not a shepherd. And so I was like, oh, is that a good shepherding move? I've got 99 sheep. Surely, well, look, it's 1%. Let the 1% go. Yeah, I'll look after my 99. There's wolves, there's whatever was also out in the wilderness, the dogs and so forth. Does that make sense? Like in my logical, systematic mind right now in the 21st century, it's like, well, you've got 99, just look after that. Steward what you've got. Yep, that's good. We'll look after that if there's one gone. This is not the heart of God. He has always been for all people at all times. If you look at the Old Testament and go, but he only went after the Jewish nation, you're missing the point. He said through that nation, all people. He has always been after all people people drawing back so let's understand from my limited but slight researched and understood (laughs) that doesn't sound really um not backing myself here hey from my profound understanding (laughs) of shepherding uh the sheep would be kept in a fold right that was either constructed by the shepherds at a certain place with rocks okay or um like trees and whatnot, they would make a little circle with a gate, right? And so they might be out kilometres from home, but they've made this. That's going to be their base whilst they're grazing in this area. And at night, they'd take the sheep into the fold. The shepherd would literally lie across the gate, right? And they would have to depend on the walls that they had made. And the flock would stay together. 
and they would be safe. So what we're talking is a shepherd who's got his hundred sheep, but one's gone astray. So what does he do? He goes and he takes his sheep to safety. It says in the wilderness. So they would, have, they would graze out in the, on the plains, basically. He would leave his sheep in that fold and they would be together. Scattered sheep are not a protected species. Yeah? <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking through my wording there. They're not. They're not. A scattered sheep, <laughs> a sheep that's off on its own, it's not that funny, guys. Chill. Okay? Um, a, a sheep that is out on its own is vulnerable to, to pray. Would at least there be some nod of support after that laughter in the room? Yes. Okay. When the 99 sheep are together in the fold, the place that God has set for them, there's a safety there. God is not. It, it says in verse 7, in the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So there's an excitement in heaven. It's not because he prefers the sheep that's gone to the sheep that are in the fold that have stayed. It's that these sheep actually know their purpose, which is to stay together, to work together, to know that they are righteous. Us as Christians, we know we are righteous by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus. We stay together. We work together. We remain together. Okay, the Father will bring unity to us. So in that case, the shepherd brought unity. An interesting thing, but we often strive for unity as believers when actually Jesus said, Father, would you unite them like you've united us? It's his job to cause that unity in us. And that is stirred by how we love one another. So let's go after love more than unity because love will always result in unity. So Jesus is represented here as safely putting the sheep together. The 99 he was not worried about. But his heart is like, he's a God of 100%. This is something I learned some time back. When it comes to healing, when it comes to a lot of things, God is the God of 100%. He's not the God of, well, I've actually only got a few dollars in my pocket, so I'm only going to give you a little bit. I know you asked for this much. He's not stingy. He's the God of yes and amen, the full stop. He's, he loves completion. He's incredible. And the way that he loves, the other points that I wanted to quickly touch on. He's strategic. He leaves the 99 and searches. He lights a lamp and sweeps, right? That's the parable really clearly says that there was strategy and he is purposeful. He went about with purpose to find that coin or find that sheep in the parable and he goes about with purpose to seek those who are lost. So let's stop right now for 30 seconds and ask God, what is a purposeful or strategic way that I, myself or your family what is a strategic and purposeful way that I can go after loving those who don't know God, who are lost? Just one little thing. All it needs is to be simple. And this applies to the kids in the room. It applies to everyone. What's one way I can show the love of God to someone who may not be 
in the sheepfold? What's one simple way? might be something practical you can do today. It might be a way you can pray for someone. It might, I think we need to get, and I'm, this is my challenge to our church, let's get a lot more practical. Have we baked a cake, taken it to the neighbour and then offered to pray for them? Like, we can do that. We're allowed to do that. If you're not bold enough to pray then and there, still take the cake and bless it because they'll be encouraged. So little things. Maybe come back to this at a point. Go, God, what's a strategy I can put in place? I want to be with you, the good shepherd. I am, we are bonded, we're united. Who can I go after? Something I love in this is that he encourages emotion. Verse 5, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbours saying, rejoice with me because I've found my lost sheep. Right in verse 9, and when she finds it, the coin, she will call in her friends and neighbours and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In heaven, there's joy over this repentance. So the turning of people back to God, that brings heaven into a cacophony of praise. We're going to be part of that one day. But now we are doing the legwork. How do we see the kingdom of God come on earth? It's by us. It's by us, his kids. We now step into the role as the shepherd. We are with the shepherd. We are united by his blood. And we go from that place. There's a scripture... I'm actually just going to dive straight ahead to something else. I'll move in. We'll move into communion in a moment because I know that we're almost out of time. In fact, we're over time. Uh, so I saw this quote that I actually put on my Facebook some time ago and it came up recently. And I just thought this is a beautiful way for us to transition into this real activation of recognising that, that we have been commissioned to walk as the shepherd walked, okay? So of those three groups of people, maybe people who are watching, maybe people who are watching are lost, okay? It's time to get found. Put your hand up. Be, yes, Jesus, I need you. Maybe we've been the ones who are a bit judgmental, right? Let's just encourage anyone who wants to step out and go after the Lord. But we are invited into this union with Jesus to go where he goes to seek and save that which is lost, which is, in, um, which is a, a key scripture that oh, I've lost it here. But oh, for the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost, Luke 19. All right. Here's the quote. The massive doors of God's kingdom swing on tiny hinges of our faith and obedience. Focus on the hinges and you'll see the doors opened wide. I'll read that again. The massive doors of God's kingdom swing on tiny hinges of our faith and obedience. Focus on the hinges and you'll see the doors opened wide. When we focus on what the Father has got for us, we will see his kingdom come. And if you do have communion emblems with you, now's a great time to... Grab them in your hands. If you don't, maybe you'll pause this later, come back to it. That's fine. But I just want to read from Colossians that says, and the band can come up. 
Colossians 1, 19 to 22. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So that means where our sins cause this disparity, this distance, this frustration, this a lack of peace between us and God, the blood of Jesus came and made peace Peace for our wrongdoing, peace for our calamity before God. And the next verse says this, this includes you who were once that sheep. We were all once that sheep that was far away and lost. You were his enemies, separated by, from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. We are safe in the sheepfold. That is incredible. Now, what is our job? Our job, we actually get to partner with the good shepherd and reconcile those that are lost back to him. So as we take communion today, you can just remember this key element every time we we take the bread and we drink the wine it is to remember that his body was broken for us that we would now come back to him where there was a gap caused by sin now there is no longer a gap we come in through the blood we come in through his obedience and we receive fullness of life so that his body was broken so that ours does not need to be anymore if you need healing in your body, your mind, your relationships, right? Commune with God. Be one with Him. Get close and say, God, this is my heart. Pour yourself out to Him. So as you take the bread and you eat it, remember His body was broken. It was an act of reconciliation. That you would come back to your original design, your created intention and purpose in God's heart. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. It's the Father's good purpose and intention to see his kids come back to him, to see the lost, the orphans, know that they're part of his family. Maybe that's you today. I invite you, contact us. We can help or find someone who knows him or just cry out to God right now and say, God, I need you. I want to get this. I want life to the full and I want to lay my life down so that you can live in me. That's how we get life to the full is actually by giving up our attempts and handing over to Jesus, letting his life fill us. So as you drink, declare and remember what he has done and declare that we have become one with him. We honour you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Would you stir in us a passion to look after our brothers and sisters? To go after the lost. To love boldly today, tomorrow, the rest of our lives. Seek first the kingdom of God above all else. He'll give you everything you need. Don't be afraid, little flock. 
That's us. For it gives your Father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus.